So what will happen to this place? And a bank will swoop in and take it eventually. How do you know that? Besides playing chess, I used to do the man's taxes every year. I know where every account is and who's owed what. Trust me, soon as the word spreads that he's gone, the wolves will be at the door. Not on my watch. Hey, you got 80 grand lying around? Because that's what it's going to take to keep this place open. So it's too late? Not necessarily. 80 grand isn't just going to come falling out of the sky. What should we do? Talk to the bank? Well, we have a little time. No one's going to be asking questions and shutting things down as long as things are paid for on time. Why do you think so many people get grandma's house without having to fill out extra paperwork or hire a lawyer? You pay the bills, people shut up and get on with things. So what you thinking now? As much as I like to put my foot in cotton mouse behind, I need to put my hands in his pockets. That's how you hurt someone like that. Robin Cottonmouth, but what caused all this trouble in the first place? Panels to Pixels, Luke Cage Season 1, Episodes 3 and 4. Hey everybody, welcome to the show, I'm Mark. And I'm Steve. So uh, we're talking about episode three and then four tonight. What is going on in uh, episode three? Well, it's really interesting. This was a, a great pair of episodes to to put together in this particular um, aspect. So I'm really really glad we did it. But uh, so episode three is called "Who's Going to Take the Weight?" and uh, the, it has a cold open, which I, I realized today. Not all of them have a cold open. Some of them have one. Then some of them go straight into the credits. It's it's a little different. But this one actually has a cold open, and we see a a figure that appears to be Luke walking out of the Christmas Attics building and there's there's uh, explosions going on there's there's things happening a couch comes flying out of a window and uh, and he comes walking out with a duffel bag and uh, he has this slow walk kind of towards the camera and we know it's him because we can see this huge hulking dude and uh, he then then it cuts to the credits and it starts playing and, and we get all the credits and then we get up earlier today and so it starts to show us everything that led up to that moment that we saw with him attacking the Christmas Attics building that that was so prominent in the, the last episode, um, we we meet uh, we meet up with Luke and he's in the funeral home and Cottonmouth he's he's looking for a, a casket for Pop uh, for Pop and uh, they're they're talking about this really expensive casket that he wants to buy and Cottonmouth comes in. And uh, then we, we cut to the cops and they're talking to Chico and, and we see these two guys get attacked 
and get shot up by somebody and things get stolen out of a truck. There's a whole bunch of stuff happening right at the beginning that is very confusing. But eventually, as it all pieces it together, we get to see what's happening. Uh, Chico gets out of the hospital and he agrees to help Luke uh, and tell him where Cottonmouth's different cash houses are and luke begins to raid those houses but he leaves the cash behind which puzzles the police uh, cottonmouth then moves all the remaining money to christmas attics or as he calls it fort knox and we see luke raid that building and that leads us up to what we started the episode with this attack on the christmas attics building we uh, at the very end of this episode we're going to discover something very unsettling about detective scarf which not make me happy uh, and uh, then uh, Cottonmouth uh, learns where Luke is and he goes to some extreme measures to deal with him mm. and so for our top five sweet Christmas yeah do you want to go first I'll, I'll, I'll start out because I thought it was kind of interesting uh, my number five is Luke kind of adopting that Jessica Jones kind of look with the hoodie up over his head, which I never under really understood because it's not like it really like it doesn't really like change his face. It doesn't cover his face. People can still see what he looks like. Um, but it's just kind of funny that that, uh, that that's the same kind of look that Jessica Jones had with the hoodie and the and the and she had she would actually put a leather jacket over her hoodie, but then she'd put her hoodie up over it. So uh, that that kind of um, duplication there was was kind of interesting. That I don't know now. I know from the next episode we see that he wears a hoodie a lot anyway. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's just it's just coincidence, but it, it seems kind of interesting that he adopted that kind of look. He's laying low, kind of like her, kind of be the uh, the hidden hero. Yeah, yeah. The if if anybody watches New Girl, the the Nick going Ghost Protocol and he puts his, his hoodie up over his face. I'm going dark. So, <laughs> uh, my number five would be that slow walk out from the attics uh, before the credits by Luke. That that was just amazing. Just like seeing what a badass he is. Uh, you know, and then. It's like there's gunshots around and him occasionally walking out of the apartment. You know, it, it yeah, like- it was really interesting. It, I, I went back and wanted to rewatch some of that because I, I found it interesting because when when you the when the episode opens up, what we see is we see the Christmas attic building and we see these guys come running out. And I, I had this fresh in my mind because I just watched this. We have these guys running out and they're they're yelling about somebody's in there attacking them and they don't want to get killed and so we have these four or five so or so guys come running out of the building and then a couch totally non sequitur totally totally not involved with anything else a couch comes flying out of the second story and lands in the street and then seconds after that Luke comes walking out with the bag and then at the end of the episode we see that same scene but we don't see the same things happening. And what I realized, and this is actually in my notes, what I realized is that at the end of the episode, we're actually seeing Misty's kind of her imagination of what happened. So she doesn't have the, all the guys running out because she didn't see that part and she didn't have any evidence to indicate that, that there were people that may have left. So all she sees is the person coming out of there unscathed by all the bullets and realizing that the person who walked out of there had to have 
been shot but not hurt. And for some reason, no one else in that building was killed, which I found another interesting kind of a side note because Chico in the hospital, he tries to blame Luke for Pop's death saying that maybe one of the maybe the bullet that killed pop bounced off from you and so and so i i found it interesting to think maybe maybe what what happened maybe that did happen in the barbershop i don't think so but maybe that did happen in the barbershop and so after that luke found some way within himself while he's you know while bullets are flying at him that he's able to try to contain them or maybe uh, it did. That's not. A, that's not true. He's always kind of had an idea. It, it's kind of like that same aspect. Uh, that same uh, question about Superman when the bullets would bounce off him, where would they go? And, and I think it's one of the later Superman movies. They show that the bullets don't actually bounce off him. They hit him and fall straight to the ground. They lose their inertia when they hit him. So there is no bounce. Actually, like in the comic books, where they would show it bouncing off. Mm. Uh, you know, because there's there's a danger of if the bullet does actually bounce off, there's a danger of it hitting an innocent person. Sure. And so it's interesting that in later comics they kind of adjusted that with Superman. And I think the same thing kind of happens with Luke Cage. When bullets hit the him, they don't bounce off. Somehow his skin absorbs the energy and causes that bullet – inertia to get lost and so it just i I think anyway i don't the show hasn't showed us that but i think that's i think that's what happens there and that that answers that question of what happens when those uh bounce off bounce off them yeah the cool thing about when you mentioned the misty scene though is like the way they revolve around her almost like within the matrix and how she's Mm -hmm. envisioning and seeing everything happen as she can uh thinks it's happening which yeah is really cool yeah yeah, it's it's really like, and I think I mentioned in the last episode is the fact that it's different than what Madani had. Madani was able to picture, but we didn't actually see in her mind's eye what was happening. This show actually gets to actually shows us what Misty is seeing, kind of in her mind's eye, which is which is kind of cool. Um, my number four is uh, is is going back to Pop. Uh, we we realize that. Uh, Pop is was not Reva's biological father. Luke says something like, uh, he was Reva's people, and that makes him my people and my wife's people. And since she's gone now, I'm the only one to take care of her. And so there but there was definitely you know, we talked about this in the last episode. Very uh, it was a close relationship. She was very important to Luke. She was very important. Uh he was Pop was very important to Reva. Mm-hmm. And and so we, we saw that. And so that was interesting to get that confirmation kind of of that understanding that she wasn't the biological father but there obviously is some sort of relationship there which is which is interesting yeah it was pretty much if you think about it extended family and that's that mm-hmm. neighborhood feel of having people close to you within that proximity yeah and that comes up later on in uh the next episode so yeah uh, my number four would be Misty and her partner looking for more information on Copmouth at the uh, <laughs> hospital, playing good cop and bad cop. And that was that pretty was, good. It was pretty funny to watch. Yeah, that questioning of 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 Chico where they go go Cottonmouth and he goes who and they're like you know your boss <laughs> the guy the guy you stole money from and and they're like and he's like uh, well. Uh, Dante killed Shamik and goes, oh, are you admitting that you were there and you saw it happen? Oh, no, no, no. I'm just saying, I I think, I think that Dante killed Shamik, you know, <laughs> and, 
And so then they're, they're like, you know, going back and forth. And that whole conversation really does have some pretty uh, funny, uh, funny lines in it. That are, that, are that that going back and forth. I, I liked it. Um, my my number three is is on on the second watch of this episode. Basically, I, I started to realize everything that Scarf does. It has a menacing sort of twist to it now in my mind. I can a nasty kind of tone. I can definitely see now. You know, I didn't see it when I initially watched the the episode, but now you start to see the wheels turning of how he's trying to put things together. And but not for the cops. He's trying to put things together for Cottonmouth, and he's trying to find out uh, what's going on. And, and just I, I don't know it, it, the whole tone of his performance. Frank Whaley's performance of the of the character changed in in my mind's eye and the way I, I perceived the character after watching the episode for the first time. And now going forward, every episode is going to be peppered by that. Everything that he does with his partner, knowing that it's a it's a dual um, kind of role that he's playing mm. is is interesting. And, and I found, like I said, like almost everything that he did, I was, oh, man, that's so menacing. Or, or I started to realize that that was really what he was doing. For instance, when he he well, I've got it in my notes when he goes to the bar and he tells Cottonmouth that he he has a tracker on his partner's phone. And that's how he knows where Luke Cage lives. And I'm just like, oh, that's so creepy. You're like <laughs> like if he had said that before knowing that he was on Cottonmouth's payroll, I would have been just, oh, that's so cool. He's he's really trying to take care of his partner. But now I'm like, no, he's a jerk. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what was your number three? My number three uh, would be. Charles Bradley singing Ain't It a Sin. Uh, I just love the music and the show and how they incorporate that kind of feel and that soul. Uh, it was a nice narrative musically within the show about Luke. You have to really listen to the words because it kind of conveys a little bit of a story about Luke in some way. Uh, that's interesting, yeah, and and I like that you pick up on on the stuff of the music because I'm not as much uh, I'm not I wasn't into that kind of music, and uh, so I, I wouldn't pick up on those kind of subtle kind of things like the the one uh, towards the end uh, as well. Um, my second one is is pretty simple. My number two, um, just Chico, the fact that he didn't want to help the cops out, uh, but then he he does help out Luke, and it's it's kind of it's really interesting when he finds when he figures out what luke is he he just kind of takes it in stride kind of there in the hospital and, and like i said at the beginning of the of the recording mm-hmm. he he kind of turns it on luke and kind of well maybe it's your fault that pop died maybe the bullet bounced off you because you're one of them uh, and it's it's really it's i almost get the impression that he's met these kind of people before now obviously i don't think that's true but it's just he really takes it in stride what luke is able to do and when you um when you compare that with the way connie is going to react to it in the next episode Mm -hmm. it's it's really it's it's really telling about chico about there was kind of an underlying there was definitely some underlying intelligence there uh or at least definitely some street smarts to where he just picked up on on luke's uh, superpowers didn't make a big deal about it just kind of moved on and went well obviously you're like this and so 
we're just going to move on. And then once Luke is attacking those houses, mm-hmm. he and Chico realizes it. He goes, okay, Chico, uh, he says, Luke did his part. Now it's time for me to do my part. And it's just unfortunate that he reveals himself to the wrong person uh, towards the end of the episode. But yeah, Chico was my, my number two. Wow. Yeah, that, that was a really good scene. Uh, especially with the way, you know, he just takes it with, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah I, I know who, what you are. Oh, okay. Yeah, exactly. I was just like, <laughs> especially on, I didn't really notice it on the first watch, but the second watch, I definitely went, he really is just, he's okay with it. Like, he's it's just like. Casual, uh, you know. It's yeah. like, oh, I'm used to this. What? <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, so what was your number two? My number two would be uh, Cottonmouth and Mariah talking about making Harlem better. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, doing the wrong things to save Harlem, uh, it's all that manipulation and the uh, gangster style of trying to make things right and giving back. But, you know, at one point, you know, she's taking money from the community, investing in this, and then he can't get that money back. And she flips out. And you know, she's just trying to help the area, but in the wrong way. Just by working with Cottonmouth, you know? Yeah. She's starting to realize, oh, this is a bad idea and this is a bad deal. Yeah, that was an interesting – I had a few notes on this down in my notes where they were talking about – on one hand, when the the conversation starts, it really seems like she really wants to change things for the better, you know? She really is is talking about no, it's not a project. It's a, it's not the project. It's it's a community. No, it's not your cash house. It's my office. And you really get the sense, at least I did, mm-hmm. the sense that she wants this change to be positive. But then towards the end of it, of course, she says she has that line, and I've got it here uh, in my notes, where she says, "Keep Harlem black and us in the green." And then uh, Cottonmouth says something like, well, you, you keep us in the black and I'll keep us in the green or something something to that effect. So we, we get the understanding that, that yeah, she's going to do criminal things to make things better. They had that whole conversation about her, her grandmother or, or mother, whoever it was, who she talked about that, that uh, bribed all those politicians. And he was like, well, she just bribed them so she could get things done. And uh, it, 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 it was an interesting conversation. That it's, maybe that's how political things work in reality. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, that was an interesting one. So my number one, yeah, I think does that bring us? Yeah, brings us my my number one is is just scarf, and, and I had it in all caps, not scarf. Come on, <laughs> I really wanted to like this guy. I really did. And uh, this character, oh, it just breaks my heart because it seems like these shows only have room for one good cop. If there's another good cop, they got to kill him. Yeah, you know, I mean, true. in Punisher, they killed Madonna's partner, and uh, all these things that, that I'm just like, oh. Come on. And and then just when he goes to the bar to meet with Cottonmouth, we just see how big of a douche he is. And he's just like, <laughs> you know, he, he's making a drink and he's talking about the dead body in his trunk. And he's like, you have your guy at the mortuary. Take care of him. And it, it almost like he, he takes on this this patois, this 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 speech pattern that slips right into that that gangster. And I just oh, it just <laughs> and that. He does mention the incident at one point when he's talking to uh, Misty, and uh, that was another conversation that took a whole different tone for me when I, I re- the conversation in the police station where they're talking about the vigilantes and they're talking about the incident, and and it takes a whole different tone when you know that he's working for the bad guys, and uh, it just uh, I just oh 
now I just don't like him anymore. Just, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Breaks my heart, man. Come on. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> Uh, he will be missed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not too soon, though. Let's keep him around for a little while. Yeah, flashbacks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, What's your number one? My number one? Uh, well, you know, Bring the Ruckus being played by Wu-Tang Clan during the uh, Luke's infiltration of the apartment complex. You know, Luke just cleaning house uh, and, and, this, and cleaning the streets in itself with... Uh, you know, a, a great little soundtrack from, you know, the Wu-Tang Clan, which I have the vinyl and CD from, like, day one. <laughs> wow. I, I, You know, I'm from Staten Island, so you got to represent Shaolin, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, yeah, be, Luke just wants to get, you know, keep his neighborhood clean. He was looking for something, money? I don't think so, but to help Pop's place with the sleaze money, that, that was it's like him just showing up at the barber shop and dropping the bag and where'd this come from? Yeah, it was uh, that was know. a little strange. His whole plan at first, his whole plan seemed very strange to me. That it's one thing like Punisher steals the guns and steals the money because he's gonna use it to then turn around and fight. Uh Luke doesn't take anything. He breaks the guns, uh, leaves the money so that the cops can just uh, come in and, and impound it. And I guess that's kind of what the police decide at the end. They're like, well, I guess whoever this is just wants us to come in and scoop up the money. And and so I, I wonder if there's going to be a situation here in a future episode, and obviously you've watched it, I haven't, mm-hmm. um, where, where Cottonmouth is going to try to infiltrate the police station to get his money back because he's got to figure out some way to get his millions of dollars back, I would think, you know. So uh, the, the whole plan was just it was a little it was a little confusing to me. Yeah. But at the same time, I, I kind of get it. He he doesn't he doesn't want to be a hero, but he, he wants to do heroic things. So, yeah, uh, maybe it's his uh, version of being Robin Hood, I guess. But, you mm-hmm. know, but. Uh, and in this case, it's taking from the sleaze to give back to the neighborhood. Yeah, and I, and it makes me wonder how much he took. Did he take, you know, wh- what was in that duffel bag? Was it a million dollars? Because remember, the guy tells him he needs $80,000 to keep that place going. Uh, and I would assume there's more than $80,000 in that in that bag. Uh, but we'll see. Yeah, <sighs> which also leads me to uh, Misty and uh, Raphael talking about the hoodlum as a vigilante, you know, mm-hmm. meaning Luke. Uh, because, you know, he's got the hoodie. I guess he looks yeah. like a hoodlum. And, <laughs> and then that ending, you know, Cottonmouth, Cottonmouth just trying to take out Luke and Genghis Khani at the restaurant. And the restaurant's all in rubble on top of them. It seems like a little overkill, though, doesn't it? Like, I mean, gosh, a rocket launcher? To, to I mean, it, when you don't really know that he has powers at this point but i guess i guess he did know that he was a one-man army that was able to take out his houses so you know maybe maybe that's what he wants to do it, it did seem it seemed like a little overkillish to me but at the same time it was interesting that the cops all knew exactly who did it like they're they're like who else would use a rocket launcher in harlem yeah. it had to be cottonmouth so um had a couple of quotes that stood out to me uh, that i thought was interesting was at the beginning when um uh, when Luke and Cottonmouth are talking about Pop's death, 
Cottonmouth says a former associate mine was feeling himself and he ain't feeling nothing no more, which brings me to one of my notes about Cottonmouth. He kind of switches back and forth between like proper English and like street lingo. Like when he's first in the when he's first in the the funeral home, he says something about we use gilded. I didn't write it down, but we use you know we use uh, molding and, and impressive uh, caskets to honor the dead. You know to honor those that that have have that we've lost. And Luke says something about we need to honor his integrity, not his uh, not this. And and so I thought it was interesting that then he switches and we see him do that depending on who he's talking to is he'll switch back and forth from kind of a street lingo to kind of a, a more proper English. So I thought that was interesting. Uh, the girl addict, when they're asking her who the who attacked the, the house, she says he was fine. <laughs> so I, I thought that was that was pretty funny. And then uh, obviously the, the one that I already said, the, the keep Harlem black and us in the green. Yeah. Uh, I had a, a few myself. Uh, definitely with Luke and that, that interaction uh, – with uh, Cottonmouth, uh, saying, "I'm not going to touch him, not that, not the way I should, since I can't touch the king. I'm going to take his queen, his rooks. I'm going <laughs> to knock all his pieces off the board. Where are you going now? Looks like I'm going to check these fools. Yeah. You know, it's like it's it's kind of cheesy in some way, but it, it really if you break it down with Luke Cage even in the comic books back in the 70s and stuff when he was like a sweet christmas and catchphrases and lines like that yeah uh, you know they're they're making their way and it's not meant to be a little bit comedic or throw it out there and the way he uh, executes the line doesn't really come out as like being cheesy or fake it, yeah. it's, it sounds sincere you know yeah, yeah, it's really good. It's really good. Uh, and then uh, the last one, which, which got me a chuckle, <laughs> Raphael going, Chico and the man. Yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> I got a laugh at that. Now I'm showing my age. Yeah, exactly. interrogation at the hospital <laughs> I, with the kid. <laughs> I, I thought the same thing the first time I heard it. I was like, Chico and the man. <laughs> so uh, very cool, very cool. Did you have anything else that we didn't uh, bring up about the, the first episode? Uh, just have a few notes about the talk uh well basically the 70s theme it, it's mm-hmm. real in the music uh that intros the show itself so it's got that that uh that rhythm and it's got that wah guitar in there that i like to hear it, uh, it's like uh, kind of reminiscent of like 70s porn but uh, <laughs> it's not exactly really porn it, it gave me that kind of shaft feel and uh plus luke's uh, apartment where the the wallpaper looks like it, it is from the 70s when he wakes up in the morning. It, it's got that look, kind of like uh, when you watch uh, Days of Future Past, uh, when Logan wakes up in, in the uh, hotel or the apartment, and it's mm-hmm. got that whole 70s feel, and he's got the lava lamp right next to him. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that's the first thing I thought. Uh, but, you know, I, I brought it up before, but Luke didn't say Sweet Christmas at the end of the episode with the RPG that was fired. He said Sweet Sister. Yeah. Is that is that from the comic book? Is that Does, does he have those kind of catch, catchphrases like that? They switched them up, but I don't remember Sweet Sister, but I was waiting mm-hmm. for Sweet Christmas. <laughs> right, right. Okay. Uh, I had a couple that we didn't that we didn't bring up. Um, I noticed when he had the swear jar in his apartment, it had a bullet hole in it i thought that was interesting um 
this other this other older guy who's been hang, who hung out at the barber shop, uh, the chess player guy. We really don't know much about him. The uh, according to IMDb, his name is Bobby Fish, mm-hmm. and uh, we know from this episode that he and Pop used to play chess in the park, and then he moved to the barber shop. We know that he he must have some sort of contacts or something because he says well he says that he did pops taxes for him so he knows kind of the business side the financial side of the barbershop and then when luke gives him that duffel bag he says i'm gonna make some calls to take care of this so it's i'm i'm intrigued by who this fella is because it's he survived the the shooting i don't remember i don't think he was in the barbershop no. When the guy opened up, opened up fire. Um, and now just because of my, because my antenna starts to stand up when I have a character like this, uh, who intrigues me, I wonder, I'm starting to wonder if he's diamond back. If, if we're going to find out towards the end of the, epi- the, uh, the season that he's the big, the other big bad, who's kind of been running things, uh, behind the, uh, that would be, that would be a twist that I could see uh, the show throwing in. I could also see him being just, just who he is. Um, you know, but uh, it, there's definitely more to this guy than just uh, an old man who hangs out at a barber shop, for sure. <clears throat> um, I talked about uh, Cottonmouth. Um, then there was a, that scene at the end between um, Cottonmouth and Mariah, the the woman. He calls her Black Mariah at one at one point, and she gets pissed <laughs> at him for calling her that. Um, so that was interesting. The the scene with the with Domingo in in uh, Cottonmouth's club mm-hmm. seemed very. It was very confusing to me. It was it was a little weird, and I don't know if it was just posturing on both part both their parts. And you know that's just that's just unsanitary, dude. Open up candy and eat it in front of somebody and drop the wrappers on their the floor and then drop the drop a piece of candy on his floor just to you're and you're looking up at him you're like a foot shorter than him to begin with (laughs) you know i thought that was funny domingo's like looking up at him trying to be you know trying to intimidate him and and cotton was just kind of standing like like uh okay i guess we're gonna go to war and it it just that whole it was an interesting scene that it didn't seem like it was necessary really unless there's something going to happen down the road with it or if they just wanted us to realize that the diamond this diamondback person has more has more to do with kind of the overall crime element in Harlem that cuz obviously he's this diamondback person has his hands in both these guys yeah. You know he's in, he's involved with both of them in in some way, and uh, so I, that that whole conversation just kind of unless there's more to that that we're going to find out later, which is is highly possible. It just seemed out of place to me, and it, it took me out of the episode for a, a little bit, especially the second time I watched it. When I was like, "Why is this scene even here?" Like it it just didn't it didn't make any sense to me why it was there. Uh, probably just to show okay. This guy's going to irritate Cottonmouth, and <laughs> they got to take him out eventually, or something. <laughs> uh, that that could be. That could be. So that brings us to to episode episode four, which is step in the arena. And uh, I 
did not write my synopsis up for this episode correctly. But there's a lot in this episode. Actually, I did put a very short synopsis because I think our, our top fives are probably going to include a lot of what happens in this episode. Oh, but uh, when I first saw the title, I, I'm reminded that there was an 80s era sci-fi uh, movie called Arena. Uh, I watched it recently and it doesn't hold up. It's it's a Paul Satterfield, Claudia Christian uh, kind of movie about a boxing in the future it's not it's just not good it's it's really bad like very cliched and doesn't hold up not at all i really hoped it would because i had had this nostalgia for this movie as a kid remember remembering watching this movie being so loving this movie obviously a, a 14 year old 13 year old probably really did enjoy that movie but now as a 40 watch it again. Uh, yeah as a 40 something year old um but so we uh in this episode step in the arena we learn a lot about uh, luke's past we get we get his origin story we see how he first met reva uh and we we learn just a lot of stuff in this episode on top of that it's all playing out at the same time that that luke and Genghis Khani are are trapped in the rubble, uh, and there's a, there's a few other things going on, but mainly what we have is is Khani and Luke trapped in the rubble of the of the building that collapsed on them, and then these flashbacks to Luke in prison. Uh, so what? Uh, let's go with your top five, Mark. Sweet Christmas. My number five would be seeing Luke incarcerated in prison in Seagate and looking actually taking care of himself you know Uh, it's really interesting to see it's like this guy is huge and a lot of people are still trying to mess with him in some way but he's able to take care of himself yeah yeah we learn and we get that that the idea that he's a badass he was a badass even before he had powers because there's that first scene where he's where he just yells and i had the quote down uh down below i think that i thought was really interesting where he says um oh just remember who you are and you'll get through this and he keeps repeating his name over and over again carl lucas carl lucas carl lucas and he and it's that was a really interesting uh kind of cathartic scene that at the very beginning we see him in his in his prison cell and he's got the huge afro and this beard well not huge afro he's afro and a beard so he's very looks very different than he did when we see him now in the present day and that that brings brings me right to my number five, which is we learn Luke's real name and we learn his occupation. We we learn that he was a cop, that he something happened, and either he did something wrong or he was framed for doing something wrong that landed him in in prison. Uh, and we also see at the end when he shaves his head. After he goes through that bath, his scars are gone. Because I, I noticed that, especially in the second watching, that he, he has all these scars on his face from the fights that he was in in prison. Yep. Those are all gone. And he shaves his head. He shaves the beard. And that's why Shades didn't recognize him in the first episode when we saw when we saw Shades. And he talked about being in Seagate prison. And, and Luke was at first trying to kind of hide his face from him. But uh, Shades just didn't recognize him and it it it, this kind of goes into my number five because it's part of his occupation but why is everyone outing him as a cop in a prison like i mean the okay the guard is corrupt so i kind of understand why the guard does it but then like reva does it right in the middle of group 
she's like, oh, so I guess that's because you're used to be a cop. And, I'm, and all the guys are looking at him like they didn't know. And I'm like, seriously, is that that's like the last thing that you would think, <laughs> you know, I mean, even trying to though, get him killed. <laughs> yeah. Even though he says, well, I never sent anybody to Seagate. Yeah. But people get transferred all the time, dude. You know, I mean, prisons don't just, you know, prisons are in flux. They don't just it just it that really it surprised me that they were just so flippant with that the fact that he used to be a cop so yeah. uh, thought that was really interesting what's your number 4 the flashback while uh, Luke was with Connie in the rubble and then you know saying that he would get her out of the rubble and stating that he is stronger yeah than she believes and yeah. the look on her face <laughs> yeah i love that i think did i have that uh no i didn't have the oh no yeah i did i did have the quote down below where he says to her she says how are we going to do that and he says the best way i can put it put this is i'm kind of strong <laughs> like <laughs> like he just really just matter of the fact that he goes i'm kind of strong and then he starts grabbing pieces of rubble he's like moving them around and and pushing his way out and i'm like all right dude you know but uh, yeah that that whole it was almost like a bottle episode really between him and her down there we get a lot of of the ha- we the get past yeah we get some of the past but we get we get a lot of realizing how much he cares for people Overall, just the fact that he he obviously the only way she survived is he had to have covered her up because mm-hmm. that rocket was coming right at them, yeah. you know, and and so he had to have covered her up. And then even though she's got the broken leg, he's he's assuring her, I'm going to get you out of here. We're going to you know, we're going to make it. We're going to get this done. And so I, I really I really like that that seeing that that caring. And uh, we see that kind of with my number four is that Misty. When she's kind of showing her concern for Luke because she keeps asking the fireman, well, have you found anybody? Is there anybody in there? Uh, And it really seems like she cares for him. And then we see uh, when he's in the prison how much he cares for Reva, trying to get her to leave. uh, And she tells him to find find her after uh, he gets out. He gets this all taken gets it all taken care of which is another interesting thing is it was it was kind of sad really because he he makes this decision to that he's going to turn evidence he he gives her the name of his lawyer he says get my lawyer tell him that i'm ready to testify we're going to bring these guys down he goes and he gets his hair cut you know um not completely shaved like he does at the end of them so he kind of gets a haircut he cleans himself up and we see that he's ready to to actually almost be a cop again because he's going to gather the evidence to take this guy down and he doesn't get a chance to do it because they kill squabbles and found out find out what he's going to do and then they put him in the infirmary and so it's just unfortunate we don't get we didn't get to see that what he was going to do to g- gather that evidence and how he was going to uh, going to do it, but it, it is uh, it is uh, it, it's just just tragic. It's just sad that he didn't get a chance. But we I, I s- s- kind of see that inkling of that him. Like I said, he goes in there and pop, uh, pop um, squabbles makes that big deal out of the fact that you haven't you haven't cut your hair, you haven't taken a shower, you haven't mm-hmm. you know you're not taking care of yourself. And so we see him kind of when he makes that decision that he's going to turn on his captors. And become a cop again, sort of. That we he makes that decision. He goes, cleans himself up, gets a haircut, and um, and then of course, unfortunately, he doesn't get to do anything with it. But nah. And that brings me to my number three. Yeah. Uh, definitely, it was worthwhile to see uh, Luke's relationship 
with Riva, who is the psychologist in the prison. You know, mm-hmm. we find out and telling her what is going on and the fights that have been going on inside, obviously because, you know, the scars. Mm-hmm. And uh, we see how Luke gets out in this episode. The history. You know, I, I really think it's awesome. Yeah, is that now is that straight out of the comic book? Is that is that what he just he gets his powers, he discovers that he that he has his powers and he breaks out of the prison by by punching his way through the wall? Is that because I, I don't I never read the comic book, so I, I never don't. read the the history of Luke Cage. I only remember him okay. when I used to pick up a magazine with uh, mm-hmm. Power Man and Iron Fist or see him with like the Avengers or something like that, but I, I never right. really read the history of it. Okay. Okay, but yeah, that'd be interesting to see if that's if that's a, a very similar scene to his his original origin, or if they if they made that because they definitely you know did a, a, a juxtaposed it with him breaking out of the rubble, you know uh, they're very they they show that very explicitly he's breaking through the wall, breaking through the rubble, and uh, and so I really like that kind of going back and forth there was was really good. Um, my number three. Is uh, is squabbles? Is uh, we have this character? Um, we have Pop before Luke met Pop. Mm-hmm. We have this this kind of he's been to this prison uh, at least a couple of times. Apparently, his family has has turned their back on him. Basically, he says uh, that he he tried to ask them for forgiveness the first time he came there, and when they didn't, when they basically turned their back on him, he just headed down a life of crime, and he just kept coming back to the prison all the time, um, which is is a little. It's unfortunate, but at the same time, it, it we get to see, like, so we see this character. We see Luke having someone who's pop before we have a pop, and uh, him talking about the whole Lisa Bonet Rolling Stone cover. Uh, I thought was interesting, <laughs> and then uh, and then Luke Cage going, well, she's got a daughter now, and I call her Godfather Part Two. <laughs> he's, he's like, because the sequel's better than the original. He's like, almost, you know. And a lot of people, a lot of people say that. I'm I'm in that camp. I'll I'll, I'll own it. Godfather Part Two is is I'd put it a cut above Godfather, but uh, um, I can't forgive him for choosing Jet Li over Bruce Lee. Come on now, that's that's no, just no, 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 no. that's just that wrong. Man. You can't, you can't. There's no, there's no, yeah, there's no going against the master. He's I don't care Jackie Chan, Jet Li, Chuck Norris, Bruce Lee is you can't you can't go against him no matter what. That's just <laughs> so I thought that was interesting that when he uh, when he says he preferred Jet Li over Bruce Lee, especially when he says the remake of Chinese Connection was better. Um, and Luke's yeah. like, well, oh, you're not going to train me now. And he's <laughs> like, you know, I thought that was I thought that was a, a cute little scene there uh, between between the two of them. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I think that leads us to your number two. Uh, yeah, seeing how Luke gets his powers in the prison, uh, that that experiment and what they were doing, and that ultimate scene that reflects the comic book version. As goofy as it is, it looked great. Uh, I was a kid looking at a comic book again when I saw that scene. Yeah. It's like with the, you know, you had the straps around his, his wrists, uh, around <laughs> his head, you had the hair sticking up. Uh, the shirt, the way it was puffed out, and yeah. almost the same color, and then of yeah. course he's ripping it off. Like, oh god, get this off of me! I, yeah. I, I liked it though. <laughs> yeah, I had that down in my notes. I it got for later on, um, but uh, yeah, that that was really that was very like that scene is very similar to the Deadpool origin 
Uh, I mean, it's a little bit, little bit different, but it's obviously we're seeing them experimenting. And I, I had this, I think I had this in my notes about Riva that Riva was kind of involved in that experiment because she knew about it, and apparently it was supposed to be a healing thing. It was something that that helped them heal faster. Which uh, because when she's when she brings him to the doctor, she's she's with that doctor and she brings him to the doctor and he says, "I've never had anybody." this far gone you know and so i don't know if he'll survive the the experiment so i thought that was that was kind of interesting and of course we know from jessica jones that she had the kilgrave information about his parents that they were doing similar kind of testing on for abilities and and things like that so uh it's it's gonna be interesting going forward to see if we get any more of that or if that's all we're gonna get uh from her but yeah, that was a very cool. That whole that whole transformation scene is really good. It, it plays into part of uh, my number two, which is that beatdown that he takes from uh, Shades and Comanche. That's just brutal. That oh, you know, yeah. one of them one of them's got like a pipe wrapped in a in a towel. The other one's got some sort of metal thing on his fist that he's he's hitting him with, and you can just hear the the clanging as they're 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 beating on him, and um, then he he goes into the uh, that that vat and it starts filling it with water and the the guard comes in Reckham comes in and says you know oh we're, I'm, you're not gonna live you're not gonna live this and he he does something with the the switches and we see the temperature go up and and Luke is yelling and then the whole thing explodes and so it's just really that that whole it was very superheroish that creating of a superhero and then we see him crawl out of that that destroyed tube you know put one hand out and then we see him raise himself up and he he steps on the glass and we see the glass break under his feet and then he discovers when he hits the wall he discovers that he's not hurt that he's not bleeding he suddenly realizes that he can punch through the wall and he punches through the wall and we see that we see the the water and the next thing we see is he's talking on on a phone on at a phone booth yeah kids phone booths we used to we used to have these things that you went into and they had a door and they you shut the door and then you dial a number and you had to call people that's the only way you could call people you didn't have a phone on your hip um anyway <laughs> um, uh, but he calls uh reva and uh she comes and picks him up or, or they meet somehow and she says you know he says i can't believe i punched my way out of that wall and she says i can't believe you survived the the water no one else has ever survived and i remember that was one of the things that you talk to talk about with alcatraz is is that the reason why no one ever ever successfully escaped there is because they couldn't do the swim yeah the, uh, they so, always drowned in the process mm-hmm. so i think that brings us to your number one yep that would be luke coming out to the public after saving connie from the rubble and walking away from it with her with all the press around which ended the scene and the episode making mm-hmm. him at the very end look like a big, huge, like local celebrity. Yeah, it's it's gonna be interesting to see the next episode how where the next episode picks up because remember he told Connie he said it might be best if you forget about what or you don't tell anybody about what happened down here. But mm-hmm. then he he turns around, takes his hoodie off, and says, "I'm Luke Cage," uh, you know. <laughs> and uh, uh, so I, I yeah, that was it's gonna be interesting to see where that goes. 
moving forward, uh, which kind of brings us to my number one. And it's, this is kind of you had similar things that yeah. the whole headband he had on the throwback to the the comic book because I remember seeing the pictures of him wearing that yellow shirt that's all ripped open. You know, you can see his chest, and, and he's got that that pointy headband on and he's got those wristbands on and uh in in the show he <laughs> sees himself in the car and he says you look like a damn fool and he takes the <laughs> headband off so i thought that was really i thought that was really funny because he did he did you know before he shaved his head and cut his beard he looked like the luke cage from the comic books the the, the ones that i remember seeing the covers of i don't think i ever read those comics, but i remember seeing the covers i remember seeing him on with the big afro bushing out of that headband and that yellow shirt on tore open you know uh, that, that was that was really cool um i had a couple of quotes that uh, that stood out at the end when he's talking with reva she says thank you for saving my life and he says thank you for changing or no he says to her thank you for saving my life and she says thank you for changing mine because they have that whole discussion when she uh erases his records and gives him a new name uh, they have that whole conversation where she says, well, I wasn't – you weren't always a convict. I wasn't always a psychologist or or something something like that. So we get the idea there's more – again, there was more to uh, Reem, uh, Reva than uh, than we know. And then, of course, at the beginning when, when the guards are talking to them and they're talking about God and he says there's mm-hmm. no – you're – you're not the righteous, so your your prayers aren't going to be heard. I'm I'm his mean, shitty substitute. He's talking about God. I thought that was that was uh, very reminiscent of of uh, show of movies and things that we've seen before about prisons. Uh, and then I, I mentioned before the the just remember who you are and you'll get through this. And then he repeats his name, Carl Lucas. Carl Lucas. So yeah. I thought that was really yeah. That that was pretty cool. Uh, I have a couple. Uh, you already mentioned the one with Riva. Uh, that was pretty cool. Yeah, it's like looks like we found a gladiator. The prison guard saying that yeah. about Luke, and uh, you know, it's like was that fortuitous? You know, it's like yeah. was it something that we we're going to see later? And then Luke saying "Sweet Christmas." Yeah, I think this was the first time that he used those words in the show completely. I, we got "Sweet Sister," but we didn't get "Sweet Sweet Christmas" before. I could be wrong, but this was a monumental scene in the episode when he broke out of the prison. So yeah. it showed like, all right, we're going to throw it back to the comic at this point. So very uh, cool. Very cool. Yep. Uh, anything we didn't bring up. What was that? I'm looking at our, our bottom notes here. Oh, go ahead and say what you had about his name. What? Luke Cage. Yeah. About changing his name. Carl taking his name from the book of Luke, which is, you know, it's from the Bible. Very cool. Yeah. And I, I love when she says, uh, you want to be Luke Friedman? And he's like, no, that's two on the nose. And so obviously he took cage. Uh, interesting fact, Luke was the only New Testament writer who was a Gentile. The rest of the New Testament writers are all Jews, were all Jewish. Luke was not Jewish. So that's an interesting, just an interesting true fact. Um, and it, it seems strange to me that a men's prison would have a female counselor for for their hardened prisoners. I, I thought that was kind of, uh, kind of interesting. But I did love her X-Files reference when she was asked about the whole – uh, experiments and she's like I know you guys want it to be some kind of X-Files thing but it's not it reminded me that that I don't know if this is taking place if this is they because they didn't give us a year for when he was in the prison 
you know, so we don't know if it's the 2000s, if it's the 90s or what, but they're obviously all of that age where they rem- remember that that TV show and it would be something that would be brought up uh, even now 20 years later. So, And also I think in this episode Luke was cooked a little too long in that prison scene when he got those powers. <laughs> that, that's yeah. what happens when you distract the doctor, I guess. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, with a Glock in his face. <laughs> Uh, I have not had a chance to get. I'm so behind on my comic book reading. I, I've got a, I've got this huge stack of comics, and I keep telling myself I'm going to take a day and and read them, and I haven't been able to do it. But I need to get caught up on comics. Uh, uh, are I you got, caught up? I got caught up with like The Walking Dead, Die Die Die, Oblivion Song, Outcast, and a, and a couple others. Oddly enough, it was like, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm not going to take five minutes out of myself just to read these so I could go to sleep because yeah. at night I'm just laying there and I'm like it's hot and. Uh, <laughs> What issue? What issue is Oblivion Song on now? Is it on four or five? Four. Four. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I think I've got four. I haven't read it. Uh, read it yet. The last thing I remember was he's. I don't even remember. I have to look at the. <laughs> the last thing I remember is him meeting the guy at the in in Philly in Philly in the the city. Yeah. Oh, or the or the guy talking. About, I can't remember now. That's that's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> I was just listening to. The uh, the show that kind of uh, one of the things that brought Mark and I uh, together as friends, which was is the Walking Dead cast and their Patreon group. But I was just listening to the part two of their crossover with uh, Talking Dead, and they I guess they recorded that back in June, and the Chris Hardwick allegations had just come out mm-hmm. back in June. So it was interesting that I was listening to that just as I was reading the news that Chris Hardwick had been reinstated. By AMC, uh, I'm so glad to hear that uh, that they did an investigation, that they they found out there was no truth to it, and they're they're going to reinstate him, and I, that feels that feels good. And I think I read one article that uh, or somebody's tweet that mentioned, I think it was Lydia Hurst's maybe that that mentioned the fact that now victims will know that their allegations are going to be taken seriously, but also if people are uh, wrongfully accused when they get exonerated it's going to be it's going to come out so I, I think that's that's really cool that we get to see that uh, even though she never actually named him as the- well also she was never even in on those uh that investigation they never mm-hmm. they never approached her during it oh, okay um, she never took part of it so there's still stuff up in the air we don't know brian malash who is on the the walking dead talk through it may we already did a recap from Comic-Con trailers, and that was brought up because he has not been around for the past two months. <laughs> right, right. Because of his move, and he really wanted to air out his thoughts. And, yeah, he sent me a message today going, oh, my God, she wasn't even in on this. Oh, my God, I feel that he's going to, you know, they're going to, like, suspend him or something again. Again? What? That just doesn't make any sense to me. The whole thing, <sighs> yeah. I don't yeah, they it, it what everything's gonna backfire now. I think once they've already stated that they're gonna bring him back, they're gonna bring him back. But yeah, they they've got to if they if they say that their independent investigation found no, I mean she has not come out and named him even. So I mean, yeah, it, I it's know. kind the of the whole thing. Yeah, it's I I really think there's something wrong with it overall. You know, and I've always said this: there's always three sides to one story, and that's. Mm-hmm. You know, in this case, it's his, hers, and the actual truth of what happened, which we will never really see because 
Uh, I'm going to use a comic book reference. We're not the watchers. We're not there looking over mm-hmm. everybody and seeing everything. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, exactly. So, okay. In light of that, yeah, San Diego Comic-Con came out, and there were several trailers. Uh, the Flash looks great. So that trailer, Shazam, which I believe Ben and his partner on DC Primetime just did a whole whole San Diego Comic-Con trailer look at, and uh, they were amazed. Uh, and me and Ben spoke about it because I was very skeptical about Shazam. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. uh, I got to see it, and I, I really didn't want it to be uh, goofy. But it, it's taken comedically, and I, I'm sorry, I, I it's like, I, I really wanted, like, I wanted a real superhero movie where it's like, it's all, like, serious, but I, I, as soon as I saw it, and I saw the funny aspects about it, yes, he's a kid, oh, he's gonna go through all this stuff, and yes, even when he it has the powers of Shazam, he is still a kid in a yeah, body. <laughs> right. And what I couldn't figure out from the trailer, uh, from the Shazam trailer, was is the is the kid meant when they show the kid and Shazam at the same time, like talking to each other? Is that meant to be just in Shazam's head? Is the kid actually there? Like I couldn't I couldn't get that from the trailer, and maybe I just wasn't understanding. But it was a it was a weird because I don't remember a lot of that cartoon or that comic book uh talking when the kid touches his chest and the electricity comes no no there's a couple of scenes where it shows shazam and the kid talking to each other oh really billy batson and shazam yeah talking to each other and and there's one scene where they're like walking down a sidewalk talking about what's happening in in the trailer Really? I thought that oh. was his friend. No, I well maybe maybe I'm confused about the trailer then. Maybe that's yeah. maybe that maybe that is maybe that other kid that I'm seeing is a is a friend is not the actual kid who's changing into Shazam. That's that could be that yeah. then makes sense. Yeah, that's that then it. totally that yeah. then totally makes sense. Okay, I didn't realize there was another there was a second kid involved in the the situation. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They okay. he, yeah, the kid cheat, you know, he confides in him and then they're friends okay. and you know, that gotcha. see him coming out of the 7-Eleven with the makes the makes a lot more and sense. The candy yeah. and it's like, yeah, gotcha. I'm a superhero. Now it makes a lot more sense that he's that that's why there's another kid involved. That's what it was that was what was confusing me because I didn't ever I didn't ever remember them talking to each other. And I was like, is that what's going on? So, okay, so it's a second it's another kid yeah. that he's confiding in. Gotcha. Yeah. Now I'm now I'm it, yeah I, I'm I'm with you I, I mean as much as I love uh, Chuck uh, the guy that played Chuck it it I'm not a big fan of the campy kind of comedic uh, comic book movies so we'll we'll see I, I've we'll see how it does and uh, what it, happens it'll be great for kids you know yeah I hope so I hope so I uh, <laughs> had a, a friend of mine who. Uh, uh, is a youth minister that showed Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle to a church group. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, ooh, yeah, that probably was a, not a good idea. <laughs> so, yeah, that's uh, PG-13, pal. <laughs> yeah, it's PG-13, and, and yeah, most of those kids are 13, 14, but you still got to be careful when you're talking about church kids. So Yeah, uh, I know, yeah. It's like, but yeah, the, the, the trailer, we, we were talking earlier, the trailer for The Walking Dead looks looks really good. It looks like they're finally going to do what I've been been trying, what I've been saying they need to do, which is do something different. Like, they don't need to get rid of all of our characters, but if that's what they're going to choose to do, that's that's fine. If that if they're going to go the Fear the Walking Dead route, which is what it looks like may be happening to the Prime show, is that they're going to get rid of two or three of 
the big time popular characters and bring some of those some of those more peripheral characters to the forefront to try to lead the show. Uh, you know, Fear has kind of done that, uh, and uh, so we'll see what happens. But uh, I, I'm excited. I'm more excited now that I've seen the trailer for what's going to happen in season nine. Than I than I was when I heard all the news about Andrew Lincoln and Lauren Cohan and all these these things going on. So it's it's, it's going to be interesting to see what they what they do moving forward. Yeah, it's definitely really. I, I at first I have, I felt bad. I'm like, great, oh, season nine's going to suck. And I saw this, and I'm like, I'm starting to see a lot of things I like. It's keeping my attention, and definitely that last scene when you see Eugene and Rosita jumping in and putting mud all over themselves and you hear the whispers uh, yeah that that whispering scene ah oh, yes <laughs> it's gonna be yeah it's gonna be interesting to see what they do with with like you were talking about last last episode with when we talked about the the comic books and how they because really they don't have to follow the source material no. anymore but they, they could still use some of that source material so it'll be it's gonna be interesting to see what they do it's gonna be interesting to see what fear does with um, those those people. Uh, those characters moving forward, and uh, uh, I, I'm excited to see season nine. I, 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 I'm more excited now for the show to keep going yeah. than originally I was. And, and originally, I was like, "Oh, just end it at season nine and and be done with it, and maybe let fear go if fear can can stand on its own." But uh, it, it's going to be. I'm, I'm intrigued. I want to see what's what's going to happen. Pretty funny news. We didn't see much of Marvel except for I think they showed something about, of all things, <clears throat> Iron Fist. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so they're fisting us with Iron Fist again. <laughs> but, uh, you know, Kevin Smith reviewed it. I just saw a YouTube mm-hmm. on him earlier and he, he was talking to somebody about it and he said it looked good, but, you know. Um, Bernardin wasn't there to like scream at it. Yeah, but that was the only really thing that came out of Marvel this year there, and <laughs> they had a Marvel help desk at the con <laughs> for those people dealing with the Infinity War ending. Right, and they were right. giving out free hugs and nice and therapy, and they they would get a donut and a T-shirt, and I guess they could do a <laughs> selfie with the hug. The Hulk <laughs> hugging them. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah, I you know I, I after being removed from it now long enough, and and I, I I feel better about the ending than I think I did. And I, and I think we discussed this a little bit in a previous episode. Is that I, I feel better about the ending now, and especially going into the next movie to see what's going to happen. Ant Man the Wasp was really good. And I'm excited to see what Captain Marvel is going to do, and then Infinity War Part Two uh, to see how they how they bring this all back together. Because you know they've got to bring it back together. And now with just the most recent announcement that um, Disney has acquired uh, X Men, has that been finalized? Like they've yeah, they've yeah, acquired X Men finalized today, and the the Fantastic Four thing, and and so uh, now they can try to bring all those those things together, and it'll be. Uh, uh, see what they try to, if they try to do uh, something with all of those characters or try to bring it back into line. Uh, where would Deadpool fit in that, uh, well, uh, in that universe? Well, somebody said that. I, I think Ryan Reynolds was caught saying something about, like, all right, great. Now, if Disney grabs us, then uh, there goes the R ratings. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because, you know, that's what was uh, separating them for, like, what, two movies? You got Deadpool. Mm-hmm. Deadpool 2 or and then Logan. 
And yeah. those were rated R, and they did very well for rated R films. Mm-hmm. And honestly, you know, Disney really shouldn't shy away from yeah. that. You know, they, they can have adult-based uh, hero movies, action movies, but also incorporate them into the regular MCU if they needed to. But they just clean up the potty talk, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's all they have to do and not have all the blood. But, uh, you know... I'm liking it. Uh, yeah. The fact that they're doing it. Ben, on the other hand, doesn't like the idea because he doesn't want to stand alone. Fantastic Four, and I do agree with him. They've done this mm-hmm. three times, and I w- I was really hopeful for the first two. Uh, the first one I saw in the theater, and I was just like, something's missing. It's not there. Second one, we got the Silver Surfer, which was pretty cool, but the story was a little bit cheeky in my mm-hmm. opinion and then the third one oh my god that was just not that good at all i, I yeah. see where they were going with the, a different style look i like the idea that johnny storm was was black and then sue was adopted into that family and uh you know and then of course the the thing is like completely naked so oh see I, I didn't see the, the most recent one yeah so, yeah with that oh. Well, he was naked, but the fact that you know it's it, it's just rock. So, yeah. but you know, it made sense. Like, how are they going to put a uniform on this person if they try right. to do this in the MCU and they try to make him look a lot like the original uh, comic book or like mm-hmm. the uh, of all things uh, <laughs> Roger Corman movie back in yeah. the day with the rubber suit and he has the right. the, the bathing suit on. It might right. not look that great. Um, I'm I'm hoping they do bring them in and then don't do a standalone film. Just like with the X-Men, they shouldn't really do a standalone film. If yeah. They, what they should do is just bring the mutants in and now with, when they say all these people are have special abilities or whatever they're calling them, now they could just flat out call them mutants and then have them cameo in on, let's say, the Infinity War, uh, uh, the second movie. To mm-hmm. show up, oh, here they are. Uh, yeah. You know, they did kind of make that casual look in Deadpool 2. <laughs> yeah. And they were all yeah. hiding from yeah. Deadpool. Well, you know, and going door going back to that, going back to that, it's, it's kind of like just in, in Luke Cage, like what um, uh, Raphael said in, in the, the episode three when they were having that, when he was having that conversation with Misty. And he says, what's the, you know, why, why are we necessary anymore if we have all these heroes why are why are we even necessary? Mm. And they were having that whole vigilante talk. Hold on a second, Mark. I've got to kill a fly. Ah, he moved. Okay, <laughs> sorry. He was bugging me, and he just flew at my head. So you uh, can pull a Larusso <laughs> and get chopsticks and get it with your chopsticks. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wish. I wish. Okay, sorry. Uh, but uh, there was uh, a couple of other trailers that, that came out that I thought were pretty cool. Aquaman looked interesting. As cheesy as some of the stuff was in there, but it was straight from the yeah. cartoons and the comics. He's got that gold shirt, that orange mm-hmm. shirt, you know, that gold orange shirt. And uh, I thought it worked. Uh, they cleared up the idea of how they speak underwater. Uh, you know, in the first movie, or not in the first movie, but when we saw uh, Justice League, he's in the water and he's down below i guess in atlantis or whatever it is Mm -hmm. and he's trying to talk and they they kind of clear the water so they could just talk now okay i didn't yeah i didn't pay attention to that so yeah and this now that they show them speaking 
in the mm. water, but you don't hear blah, 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 or bubbles right. or anything like that. So, uh, and then Black Manta, the the suit straight out of the uh, 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 the Justice League cartoon from like the 70s and 80s. Oh, wow. And uh, it looks as as cheesy as it looks. It is. It looks great for the fact yeah. that it, it, it is menacing. Yeah. So I, I liked it. Uh, I really <laughs> enjoyed it. What else came out? There's a few other things, but uh, they announced Castle Rock. Uh, which which uh, I watched the first episode of Castle oh, yeah. Rock. I sent some feedback into uh, Strange Indeed, uh, and really good. I really like it. Uh, it's got some great actors in it. Scott Glenn, uh, of course, Bill Skarsgård, um, and uh, just the rest of them are. Sissy Spacek is in it. It's it's re- these first three episodes. What what I think Castle Rock is going to do, and I, I don't know this. I haven't looked at any of the the synopsis of them, mm-hmm. but I think it looks like the first three episodes are all going to be tied together around one kind of story, okay. and then and then maybe the, then the fourth episode is going to be a different uh, a different story within the same you know town town kind of thing with the same people uh being involved but a different storyline that's that's what it looks like to me because this this first episode like i first thought it was going to be a pure anthology series where each episode was going to be a different story Mm -hmm. but the the first episode definitely leads into that there's going to be a continuation in the second episode of this storyline so i think the storylines are going to are going to go over more than one episode and it's, it's going to be interesting to see. I, I'm excited for it. I like it. Um, I'm not a huge Stephen King fan. I like some of his books, uh, some of his, his some of the movies. Um, this this is very good, though. This is intriguing. So that's cool. Yeah. Um, I don't recall anything else that I really wanted to bring up as far as trailers because there's so many out there. But mm-hmm. my recommendation to everybody, if, if you're interested in all that, I can attend San Diego Comic Con. Let alone, I don't even attend New York Comic Con, even though it's near me. I just find it very expensive, very large. I would love to do it just once to have that experience, but uh, because there's yeah. a lot of exclusives you could get there as far as like uh, action figures or specific giveaways. This year they had, uh, for Walking Dead, they had uh, uh, at the Skybound booth, they had uh, the anniversary edition of Rick Grimes and stuff like that. I, I can show I can show my age here a little bit. I went to the San Diego Comic Con when it was actually about comics. <laughs> when the the keynote speakers were the people who did the special effects for the Terminator, not Terminator Two Judgment Day, the Terminator, the oh, first really? movie. <laughs> yeah, that was the keynote speakers were the people who were doing the the special effects. They had just broken off from uh, like uh, Lucas uh, Lucas's effects uh, group uh, in the early '80s, and it was actually about comic books, which I. I almost forgot this until you brought it up i'm gonna try to i have a full run of john sable freelance which was written and illustrated by mike grell Mm. and i'm gonna get my brother to send me a few of those bagged and boarded comics hopefully and then september 7th he is going to be at wizard world mike grell will be at wizard world in tulsa and i'm going to try to to run up there and maybe get a comic or two signed uh, by, by Mike Grell from that uh, that 1980s run of John Sable Freelance. He's uh, I think he's still working on Green Arrow. He's was working on Green Arrow for a while, and but that's I'm excited to, to meet him. If, if that hopefully that all comes together and I can do it. Yeah, 
but you know, like I said, like I was saying, you know, I I I always recommend if you can't go, watch it on YouTube because mm-hmm. usually after the panels uh, end, they not only does do a lot of people that are attending the con posted on YouTube, but you'll see specific companies that are represented there throw up their videos or their interviews. Uh, the only thing that they don't do and they stray away from is if they have a, a preview of what they're doing for the next season or mm-hmm. uh, specific footage, uh, like with Wonder Woman, uh, they, they they cut away. And then they oh, go okay. back to the interview with uh, Chris Prine and uh, Gal Gadot. Right, so there's no spoilers. Yeah. yeah. So, But okay. uh, nonetheless, it's a perfect way to feel like you're there and and enjoy some of it because I remember years past I really wanted to see some of that stuff and they would mm-hmm. they would pull it down from YouTube but not everybody can intend you know it's I'm glad that they're allowing that and they the uh, that's how I got to see the panel with the walking dead that's how I got to see the panel for uh the flash uh they had all the interviews up uh they interviewed Jamie Lee Curtis uh mm-hmm. and then they had the IMDb boat uh YouTube and you could watch all that good stuff but uh, I always recommend that. So, uh, oh wow, we talked a lot. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, okay. Yeah, you know, uh, keep reading those comic books, people, and uh, watching those shows. You can submit your theories and feedback. Uh, you can go to our Facebook group, which is www.facebook.com/panels2pixels. Two is spelled out T-O, so it's panels. T-O, Pixels, or you can email us at panels2pixels1 at gmail.com. Again, that's panels2pixels1. The two is spelled out T-O. The one is the number one at gmail.com. Cool. Where can listeners hear you, Mark? You can hear me. I'm the co-host on The Walking Dead Talk Through with Brian Malosh on Golden Spiral Media. Like I mentioned earlier before, we just wrapped up our San Diego Comic-Con trailer recap and Brian's rants because he hasn't <laughs> been on for about two months. And uh, he was busy moving and I, you know, he, he deserved it. He needed that time to voice his opinions and voice his thoughts. But we had a long, long conversation between Kyle, Brian, and I about those trailers and what we thought what we thought was coming out for the Walking Dead universe. Nice. uh, I look forward to hearing it. Yeah, listen to that, guys. Uh, You can hear me right here, of course, and then I submit feedback to a a few various podcasts. Uh, Listen to our sister podcast on Next Sister Brother? (laughs) Anyway, listen to the Lost We Have to Go Back podcast, which is a, a joint podcast between Podcastica and Next Level Network, which is our podcast network. Just love watching TV. Yeah, we all do. And uh, I would also recommend listen to Ben Beck on DC Primetime. He does celebrity interviews on that. And he just did. Yeah, David Koechner. He did just an recently. interview with David Koechner and it just released and it was really good. And uh, you get to get a little insight on uh, certain people. That was the first one in a while, but uh, I recommend listening to those. Those are great because you get to hear the actors and who they really are. And uh, Ben comes up with some great questions for these people. Absolutely. All right. So thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, I'm Mark. And I'm Steve. And this is Panels to Pixels. Good night. Everybody. Good night. Good night.